Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, I'll give you a bit of an update into the situation with the Middle East's biggest carriers, and we'll take a look at the airlines that are starting to resume commercial flights. We'll investigate just how bad April's traffic was and review Delta's surprise announcement of the early retirement of the 777. Tom will see what's going on with low-cost legend Ryanair and why EasyJet's founder is trying to give away 5 million quid. So, let's get on with the show. So, I believe you wanted to um, start talking about what's going on in the Middle East um, today, Joe. Yes, I'd love to. Um, just like last week, I took a trip down under. Today, I'm taking okay. a trip to the sunny Middle East. <laughs> and, uh, I'm just going to have a look through um, really what's going on with the, the big three airlines over there. Um, we've had lots of updates over the last week. Um, and yeah, there's a lot going on. So let's begin with Qatar. Um, they've announced, uh, or they previously announced, they would resume operations to um, at least 52 destinations by the start of June. That was announced quite early this month. Um, But now last week, they've additionally said that they're targeting up to 80 destinations by the end of June. So really starting to ramp up the commercial flights again. However, the CEO, Akbar al-Bakr, has been quite clear that he thinks travel demand will remain stunted for at least three years, potentially more. There have been rumours of substantial job losses, although the full details of those are yet to be unveiled. Um, And as a result of all all this, uh, Qatar is looking at what the airlines are calling right-sizing their fleets. And that really is a nice way of saying getting rid of some aircraft. So uh, overall, they're talking about a fleet reduction of about 25%, which, you know, for Qatar is huge. Um, They've said that their A380s certainly won't return for at least a year. And there's a strong possibility they may never come back. Um, Now, they were already sort of talking about retiring the A380, um, but not until 2024. Um, They'd not installed the new Q-suite on those planes. So, um, you know, there was never really a long-term plan for them. But but now it looks like they may never come back at all. And I think if his prediction of, uh, you know, a return to full capacity, not until 2020, that's um, that's probably a wise decision. It's going to be difficult to find a role for that plane, as we're seeing with so many other airlines as well. Um, yeah, I so- mean, I guess a lot of airlines will be in that situation with the A380. Um, but thankfully, I guess a- um, Emirates can't get rid of them quite yet, can they? Well, <laughs> moving on to Emirates. Um, so they have actually, um, there has been a rumour circulating early this week that they are looking to downsize the A380 fleet. So uh, they they were actually doing really quite well. They had a, a good full year profit. It was 20%, 21% up over the previous year. But their financial year runs to the end of March. So um, it wasn't entirely reflective of the current situation. They do have a healthy level of cash assets, but have admitted that, that this year is likely to be much 
much more difficult. So we've already seen they're starting to cut costs. They've removed the free Wi-Fi and live TV from their service. Um, there's rumours of substantial job losses at Emirates. So as many as 30% of workers are looking to be cut. Now, the airline hasn't confirmed this as yet. I'm speaking on Monday. So maybe by the time this goes out, there will be something more definitive. But if that is accurate, then it would be about 30,000 workers. And that would be the biggest single loss in the industry to date. So it's huge, really. And uh, it must be a really sort of nerve wracking time for all the Emirates crews there. Um, so the A380 fleet, they're looking to downsize. The rumor has it by as much as 40%. So that would be about 46 A380s that are rumored to be retiring early. Um, and they've also been rumoured to be looking at retiring all their A380 pilots. So I guess what they're looking to do is get rid of them now. And then if they're bringing the aircraft back in like a year or two, they'll be rehiring them nearer the time. But the focus at the moment is very much on the 777. Um, they've got 155 in the fleet. Plus, of course, they've got 157 777X on order. Um, so... I think they're seeing that the long haul for the time being will be taken care of by that big fleet. So I think the A380 will be the last to come back and the fleet may be a lot smaller when it comes back. So um, also at Qatar, I was talking about their fleet reduction. Um, they're also looking to defer deliveries. So they, they had 200 aircraft or more on order and they were looking to get 40 this year alone. It was going to be their biggest year for deliveries. But now they're talking about deferring all of those aircraft um, for at least a year or two. So, you know, insane times, really. Um, so we could be looking at not seeing the A321neos, which were going to debut a, a lie flat seat in business class. Yeah, that would have been cool, but they may not be coming as soon as we thought. The Dreamliners with the new Q suite, you know, they've they've got seven already delivered, but they're all idle at the moment, all parked up. Um, and 27A350-1000s were due to be delivered as well. And, and you know, they may well be pushed back. Um, but something I did want to talk about was um, the amazing booking policy changes at Qatar. So um, the airline last week unveiled these new booking policies, which includes such things as being able to rebook for up to two years and being able to rebook unlimited times with no change fees. But the real unusual thing about this was that you can rebook within 5,000 miles of the original destination. You have to fly from the same country that you originally booked for, but your destination can be anywhere within 5,000 miles. So in theory, you could book sort of Doha to Athens, for example, and then rebook to New York. <laughs> I did reach out to the airline and they confirmed that there would not be any kind of fair top up to pay on that. So it's essentially, you know, that you can fly somewhere much more expensive for the price of a a normal ticket. So a really insane booking policy and probably the best we've seen in the industry. Um, they have added some restrictions because what happened when they first announced this was people were buying the cheapest ticket they could find and then instantly rebooking to the furthest away destination they could possibly reach. Um, so they've now said there's a 14-day cooling off period between booking your ticket and 
rebooking it so i think it's a very smart move no i think it's very clever you know people will be so nervous about booking for future travel right now and you know this means basically you can book now and fly anytime up to the end of the year and if the country that you had intended to fly to maybe has some restrictions on entry or you know has closed its borders because they've had another spike then you could fly well pretty much anywhere else so it's uh, it's quite a cool way to get some uh, fare revenue in i think um, but the downside is that um, I think, as you covered today, Tom, the, the crew are going to be in full body PPE. And I think uh, <laughs> stepping onto a flight with the uh, crew in hazmat suits and full face shields, it's not really inspiring um, that it's a safe way to get around the world, is it? But uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, you've also seen these stories about how the reason aircraft can be cold is because... Um, the crew are walking up and down so they turn the temperature down because they're getting warm. And just imagine having this extra <laughs> sort of, it's not even like a breathable layer, is it? Is this no, extra polythene layer that's just going to be even worse for the crew? But exactly. I mean, I guess and as my, my husband who works in healthcare attests, it makes you so hot and sweaty. So yeah. I expect their, uh, their aircraft will be like deep freezes. <laughs> yeah. Still better than catching something. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one airline I haven't mentioned, of course, is Etihad. And they've been so quiet, actually. Um, they've, you know, we've heard a few things about aid and repatriation flights, but there's been nothing about layoffs or aircraft retirements. So I do wonder if something is due um, because they seem to have escaped relatively unscathed at the moment. Um, and they're actually resuming passenger flights this week, including between Melbourne and London, now, of course, the UAE's still got this transit ban in place, so passengers are going to have to stay on the same aircraft. So it's almost like a direct flight, but with a stop. <laughs> so not a non-stop. We always have this uh, debate on simple flying between non-stop and direct. But uh, Emirates as well is starting on, on Thursday, the 21st, um, so the day our podcast goes out. And they'll be going, um, as well as to Melbourne and London, they'll be going to Sydney and Frankfurt, Paris, Milan, Madrid, Chicago and tr Toronto. So I think it's a bit of a, a sign of things beginning to step up, um, but probably quite slowly. And I think that leads quite nicely into uh, if you'd like to tell us about some of the other airlines that are announcing some flight resumptions, Tom. Yeah, so um, I've been doing a lot of stories on flight resumptions and um, it seems as though the, the industry is starting to recover, you know. We've seen um, passenger numbers in the US start to go up and the uh, number of daily flights tracked are going up. But um, there's a lot of airlines sort of looking at their return to service now. I think the most ambitious that I've seen to date is Ryanair. They're planning to operate a thousand daily flights from the 1st of July. Um, I mean, the planning is the key word there. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. A lot can happen in a month. Um, but more on Ryanair later. Um, but yeah, the Lufthansa group is only eyeing 1,800 flights per week by the end of June. Um, and again, that's going to be mostly Lufthansa flights just because Lufthansa is the biggest airline in the group. Um, but they're still reviewing whether Austrian Airlines will resume flights in June at all. Um, as we've seen, if you read Simple Flying, which I'd hope you would if you're listening to our podcast, um, with, there's been quite a few date changes. And recently, they pushed it back a fifth time to the 7th of June. 
Um, and then, yeah, um, Qatar Airways, as you mentioned earlier, they're eyeing 52 destinations by the start of June. And I think the interesting one is IAG, because they did talk about a resumption plan. However, there's a big um, spanner of being thrown in the works with this in the Boris Johnson wants to implement a quarantine in the UK. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> if you ask me, that's sort of too little too late, you know, um, with the UK being the sort of coronavirus epicenter in Europe at the moment, you'd think yeah. that the quarantines would be instead be in other countries uh, blocking <laughs> UK travellers. Well, you'd think um, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's at this time, like, um, countries like, like Germany are looking at um, getting rid of their quarantines, so the carriers are getting a kickstart, whereas the UK is going to bring this in. And as we mentioned, I think, last week, no one is going to travel if there is a quarantine, um, unless you're, say, moving house um, across seas, because yeah. you can't go for a holiday if you're going to be stuck somewhere for 14 days. No, exactly. And I think for, you know, for British people as well, you know, the idea of Ryanair restarting some routes in the hopes that people will be desperate to get away after being locked down for so long. You know, there's very few people, particularly those that have now returned to work, who can afford to go on holiday for a week or two and then also stay at home for two weeks. You know, that was a month off work and it's not going to happen. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. And uh, I hope we'll get some details on that because there's been a lot of rumours about this quarantine and not really any firm kind of decision um, coming out of Westminster. But uh, fingers crossed it's not too restrictive because uh, it really would make the whole thing of airlines starting flights to London again just null and void. Yeah, and I mean, London is like one of the centres of aviation, if not the centre of aviation in the world. And um, with this quarantine, that's just effectively stripped off of it, at least for the time being, and puts its recovery way way back yeah um, and like you say it's just mad to do it now when for the yeah. past eight weeks we've been locked down they've been allowing yeah. passenger flights to continue so yeah it, it, yeah crazy if anything <laughs> it should be being relaxed now <laughs> yeah definitely so, um but another interesting one which isn't strictly speaking a flight resumption um but it was virgin have announced what their summer operations next year will look like and it's sort of the first time that they're going to be without their gatwick hub um, so they're shifting the majority of flights over to Heathrow, um, which I believe is 30 or so destinations off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and then there's going to be a handful of flights from Manchester. And Virgin is keeping flights from Belfast and Glasgow, but they're just going to be a couple of seasonal flights, um, mainly to Orlando. So right, um, lots right. of Virgin flights to Orlando. Um, <laughs> not that many um, from anywhere other than Heathrow though which is sad but yeah understandable absolutely yeah. and it does mean that there's a, a rather large amount of Gatwick slots going out up for offer which uh, could be interesting yeah. to see if um, some more airlines jump in and offer some flights to London yeah well I did see we covered a really interesting story about whether Gatwick will really miss um, Virgin so if you are looking for something to do I would recommend reading that story <laughs> <laughs> excellent um, and sort of moving on to a similar but slightly different topic, um, I wanted to discuss the traffic um, in Europe in April. And unsurprisingly, this was horrible. Um, <laughs> it must have been the worst month yet. I think it must have been by, 
I mean, obviously, years and years and years and years and years ago, there wouldn't have been this many passengers. But still, um, <laughs> for most days or like for the entirety of April, both Heathrow and um, Frankfurt saw less passengers than they would take in a typical day last April. That's crazy, isn't it? Over it a whole is. month of operations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so passengers at both airports um, dropped to around 200,000 for the entire month. Um, and interestingly, you think um, these were the two busiest airports in Europe prior to this. Uh, it seems as though Frankfurt Airport still is now the busiest airport in Europe in terms of aircraft movements, according to Eurocontrol, mm -hmm. um, getting over 200 a day, which would explain why I'm looking out of my window and seeing constant planes flying past while people on Twitter in London are seeing no planes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, it and brings us to this whole cargo point. cargo flights, though, are they? Um, yes and no. There's obviously a um, big increase in cargo flights, but I notice an awful lot of um, Lufthansa small um, narrow bodies flying past, and mm. um, there's obviously the cargo flights that uh, I think Delta and United are operating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's obviously been an increase in cargo, but there's still keeping some passenger stuff open. That's great to hear. I, I've not seen a, an aircraft contrail for the longest time. I mean, I'm not that close to an airport, but there's usually something in the sky to look at. Yeah. I mean, since I mentioned that we've had them going past the window just a couple of minutes ago, I've already seen two um, <laughs> flying past. It's crazy. Um, and that's my day here. So uh, if you want to see airplanes, move to Frankfurt. That's the moral <laughs> of that story. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, yeah, it does look like things are slowly starting to resume. So hopefully the numbers in May and June will be slightly higher in Frankfurt. Um, but June could be horrible again for Heathrow if this quarantine is brought in. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree there, Tom. It would be a disaster for, for London and for European aviation in general, I think. It's yeah. going to hit an awful lot of carriers. So, shall we take well, a hop across the pond? And, yeah, let's uh, do that on one of those Delta cargo flights that's being <laughs> operated by a 777, I believe. Yeah, not for long. <laughs> so, um, Delta announced last week... Um, it's not right-sizing its fleet, it is simplifying its wide-body fleet. So they prefer a different terminology for essentially the same effect. Um, as we know, they already phased out the McDonnell Douglas um, older aircraft, which were beyond their time to go, really. Um, but now they're actually removing all their 777s. All 18 will be phased out by the end of this year. So this is, you know, Delta's been flying the 777 since 1999. So they've got a bit of history. Um, they're not the oldest aircraft. Um, I think some of the 200s are over 20 years old, but the, the 200 LRs are mostly just around 10 years old. So they weren't really ready to go. And even more bizarrely, they just finished a hundred million dollar investment in brand new cabins. So I saw this. It's crazy. The entire fleet was overhauled with nice new Delta One suites, premium select cabins. You know, they had the biggest screens in the Delta fleet. They were really, you know, the flagship aircraft for long haul. So it's really 
disappointing, I guess, to see so many beautiful new cabins going to scrap straight away. And they really only just finished the, the um, revival towards the end of last year. So bizarre that they should pick these ones for, um, for getting rid of. But I guess if somebody's got to go, then somebody's got to go. So what happens to the... Um to the seats, will they end up in different aircraft or will they just end up in a warehouse somewhere? It's very difficult to, to say, isn't it? Because um, yeah. I'm not sure that they'd be transferable to any other aircraft. You know, I mean, the A350 is a, a slightly different shape and they've already got mm. the Delta one anyhow. So it would have to be something smaller. I mean, the Dreamliner's got too much of a curve to fit those um, those Delta one suites. So maybe they'll just get some scissors up... and cut the edge off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would think they'd be very reluctant just to bin them. So whether yeah. they'll end up on the secondhand market, whether they'll be transferred to maybe a joint venture partner um looking at uh, virgin here maybe i don't know i don't know but on but the virgin's upside just launched their new suite well they have yes but they do have other aircraft that are looking for a refurb again they're not really mm. big enough to take seats straight out of a triple seven but uh, maybe the dreamliner fleet at virgin could have a modified delta one i don't know these are pure mm. speculations and yeah. very difficult to say obviously but on the upside they'll be focusing on the a350 which is a fantastic aircraft everybody loves it um, it's going to be flying to sydney and all its other long-haul routes so there is a silver lining within the cloud i guess but um must be really disappointing for delta and for their um, for their bank managers particularly <laughs> to see their 100 million investment disappearing after just a year in service so that's where we're at so that's uh, that's my update on delta what's up with ryanair okay so i mentioned this earlier but um ryanair is one of those airlines that i love keeping an eye on and it's been a really interesting week for them um we've had as always, some wonderful comments from um, O'Leary, wonderful in the terms <laughs> of um, they're just so bizarre that you wonder how someone can get away with saying them. He has um, some very colourful language. <laughs> yes, he does. And um, we had one of them this week, but I'm not going to start with that. I'm going to start with the flight resumptions that I mentioned okay. earlier. Start with um, the sensible stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's start sensible and then we'll get a bit wacky. But um, So we mentioned that we're they're aiming for a thousand daily flights from the 1st of July. And um, obviously, these will come with some strings attached, which mostly will be strings attached to passengers. So Ryanair is interestingly deciding that passengers should avoid checking in baggage if possible, um, which would strike you as weird because you'd think baggage would is a great source of income for the airline. But what it's doing is essentially... Um, they're trying to reduce contact between airport staff and passengers. So they're saying, don't check in at the airport and don't drop baggage if you can avoid it. Um, don't check in at the airport has always been a good tip with Ryanair when they're charging 40 euros for the privilege. Well, yes. <laughs> um, but instead, they've been encouraging um, passengers to priority board um, so that they've got time to um, find their space and stuff like that. But of course, it brings me back to this great sketch from uh, the UK's Come Fly With Me TV show from a few years back where um, they're recommending that this old lady buys priority boarding and then they're like, oh yes, we've sold priority boarding to everyone on the flight. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> there is a point there. Yeah, there's a point with priority it, boarding where yeah, it just how is it still doesn't priority? become <laughs> worthwhile. But um, the most 
bizarre thing I think we saw is that passengers are going to have to ask for permission to use the onboard toilets. <laughs> Please, ma'am, may I go to the loo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like being back at school. But um, I do wonder um, if there's sort of like an emergency, like if you've got to go, you've got to go, how this is going to be managed with like a queue system or... Um, <laughs> But that's Ryanair's problem. <laughs> yeah. And I guess um, they're not social distancing because he already said he doesn't agree with that. Yeah, no, they're not. And um, I think that's sensible personally. I mean, everyone has their views on this. I'm personally against social distancing on flights because um, the evidence does show that transmission is um, unlikely on aircraft and that masks are the way forward. And yeah. if we do social distance on flights, then we're going to have to charge an insane amount of money to make up for the unsold seats. And yeah. you're still not sitting a metre and a half to two metres away from someone else anyway. So no, it really defeats pointless. the point. Yeah. Um, but the last thing I wanted to touch on, on terms of their resumption, was that masks will be required to be worn throughout the flight. Understandable. However, they are still selling pre-packaged snacks and drinks for... Um, card payments only, which begs the question, if uh, if you have to wear a mask for the whole flight, how are you going to eat? <laughs> um, That's I mean, a very I, good point. <laughs> it is a good point. And I'm really not sure what the etiquette on this is, because I was on a train the other day and I had bought some uh, pizza at the train station bakery. Um, don't ask about that. <laughs> um, it sounds horrible, but it's okay. Um, and I was on two trains. The first train, I didn't actually feel confident enough to take my mask off to eat the pizza because I was like, am I allowed to do this? Um, and then the second one I did because I'm like, right, my tummy's rumbling. I'm hungry. Took the mask off and there were some dirty looks thrown across it to me. But No, it's um, very strange. Maybe you're supposed to buy your Ryanair one. snack box and then take it away with you and eat it somewhere yeah. else. But then <laughs> you knows? could buy something much nicer for much less money, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Although I their cheese on toast food. is pretty good, so. <laughs> I, well, you know, I've never tried the food on Ryanair because one month, the one time that I psyched myself up for it, they actually didn't have what I wanted. Um, so I usually just buy like a sandwich in Pret or I'll go to Burger King if we're in Frankfurt um, and just eat that on the flight. Yeah. Because uh, I love the envious glares that you get when you open a warm <laughs> burger food. in front yeah. of everyone. <laughs> um, I have to say, in my experience, and it's a bit off topic, but the low-cost carriers that sell food, I do find the food tends to be quite good, you know, in comparison yes no. <laughs> with some of the kind of full-service airlines that are trying to cut costs and give you a, a meal that really shouldn't be served to your dog, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, off-topic, but um, while we're down this little rabbit hole, when I flew with Wiz in January, I had this really bizarre sandwich. It... Um, it was like a, a sort of panini type thing with ham and cheese and olives. Oh, I quite like olives. <laughs> uh, it's not for me, you know, I picked them out, but, um, and yeah, that was that. Um, but I still want to talk about Ryanair, so yeah, getting sorry. back onto back the to, topic. Back to what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, um, we had these wonderful comments, and I think these are possibly some of the best comments that O'Leary has come up with to date. He likened Lufthansa to a drunk uncle at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Not happy about those bailouts, is he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. This I think this in particular was um because the German airline group is 
apparently being um, greedy with state aid, according to him. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he's not happy with the state aid because earlier this week, Ryanair asked the judges in the EU to cancel um, approval of a 455 million euro guarantee for uh, airlines in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of brings us to today, Monday, for listeners who are still with us um, after our little <laughs> sandwich ramble escapade. There. Yeah, um, that brings us to today. And um, the airline released its financial figures for the year ending March the 31st. And it had a post-tax profit of 1 billion euros. So it's not doing too badly, um, no, considering really some have some had already seen the impact by the end of March. Um, yeah. But, I imagine I mean, their how, April's not going to be very good, though. Yeah, I can imagine that too. Although they wouldn't have had so many costs because the aircraft haven't been flying empty. Mm. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how the current year unfolds. It will be really interesting to have this conversation again in a year's time. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I can't wait for a year's time, actually, <laughs> for all this to <laughs> yeah. be over. But in a year's time, will EasyJet still be receiving new A320s. <laughs> nice segue, Tom. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, from one low-cost carrier to another, um, EasyJet, who is uh, obviously the UK headquartered little orange airline, um, <laughs> they have been, uh, if you've not been caught up on this, there's been a spat going on for several weeks now between uh, the original founder of EasyJet, Sir Stelios Hadji Ayuanu, if I've pronounced that correctly. I'm just going to call him Sir Stelios from here on in to save my blushes. Um, and he is keen for the airline to cancel its order with Airbus. And he's been really using some strong arm tactics to try and make this happen, um, which has included threatening to to vote out directors, trying to remove the CEO. Um, and now he's gone another step further. He believes that the, the EasyJet order with Airbus was, um, it was a bribe because there was that whole thing with Airbus um, salespeople bribing airlines to, to make big orders. And he's determined to prove that this is the case. So now he's offered up um, a, a cash bonus or bounty, if you like, for any whistleblower that's prepared to come forward with information that leads to the cancellation of the order. So he's offering up £5 million, which is about $6.2 million, for any information that leads to a cancellation of 100 or more aircraft. Now, I believe the air- airline's backlog is only about 115 aircraft. So it's pretty much the whole order he wants cancelled. Um, he's even said that he will pay any legal bills incurred by the informant. So that suggests he is expecting a backlash from Airbus. Um, And he says that he will pay for anything from small tips, anything from lavish entertainment at the Paris Air Show um, up to the equivalent of the QPR sponsorship fee. So any unexplained wealth or any ostentatious spending by EasyJet employees could also give him a hint. And he's prepared to pay this in increments. So, you know, he's happy to just shell out maybe £10,000 for a quick tip and then to, to carry on 
are making further payments to get more information. But it's a bizarre move. You know, I can't fathom what is going on with, with Sestelios and what must be going through the minds of the executives at EasyJet because they've had all this scrutinised, you know, by external auditors. It's been found to be fair. And they've even, you know, they've they've pushed back the delivery of the order. Everything's suspended, um, you know, for a, a year or so because, the, because of the current situation. So, but that's not enough for Stelios. He wants the lot cancelled. And it, it's just, um, yeah, the most bizarre situation. What do you make of it, Tom? Um, well, I, it, it is interesting. I mean, I saw a presentation that was um, made by Stelios and I have to say I love his PowerPoint skills because there was some <laughs> wonderful paint images in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's very interesting. I really don't want to put money on any side at this point, but um, I'm loving watching it from the sidelines with the popcorn. Yeah, it's great. It's like a, a long-running soap opera and there's a new yeah. episode every couple of weeks. It's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see how it plays out in the long run. But mm. right now, I'm pretty sure it's a headache that poor old EasyJet could do without. <laughs> I mean, I think I saw a quote in um, Stelios's presentation that um, said the first time he met or spoke to Johan on um, the phone, he was really disappointed that Johan pronounced it easy yet and not easy jet. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so there, he's even going to sort of the personal level now. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He's been uh, like a dog with a bone, as we yeah. say. So but I yeah, think. We'll see where that takes us. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, a bit of a lighthearted finish to the podcast, yeah. but I think that's about all we've got time for today. So if you're still with us, we hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.